With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Conversations with Dr. Stephen Greer. This is the World Fusion Network and I'm Dr. Greer. And I'd like to thank the folks there for hosting uh, our group every couple of weeks to bring you updates on what we're doing with CSETI, CSETI.org, and DisclosureProject.org, and TheOrionProject.org. And we have a really interesting show. I know many of you have been seeing in the media, even in the mainstream media, the saber-rattling, trying to scare people about an upcoming alien invasion sort of scenario. And uh, we're going to be discussing this and exposing it for the complete fraud that we know it to be. And I'm going to be joined uh, today uh, by Dr. Ted Loader, who is Professor Emeritus at the University of New Hampshire and also a, a science advisor to our project and a dear friend and someone who's been involved with our work since uh, he attended the congressional briefings that CSETI organized and Disclosure Project organized in 1997 in Washington, D.C. for members of Congress and the Pentagon and White House staff. So, uh, Dr. Loader, thank you for being here. Well, it's a delight, uh, pleasure to be here, Steve. Uh, this should be fun, interesting. Yes, indeed. Well, you know, uh, in, in, a, in a UK paper, as, as many of you may have seen, uh, referenced on my uh, blog, which is Dr. Uh, Greer's blog uh, at disclosureproject.org, um, we uh, have been following how, since we announced coming out with this film and expose, uh, there has been a steady increase in these kind of mainstream media references, uh, not just in, in the, I think it was the Daily Mail or Telegraph, I can't remember, in the United Kingdom that had Nick Pope uh, saying that, uh, you know, the governments need to be prepared and that uh, people who would not respond to fight the aliens would be uh, similar to the French who were cowardly and not fighting the Nazis in World War II and on and on and on, all kinds of horrific and uh, basically fear-mongering nonsense. But even on Fox News, on one of their late shows called Red Eye, they were talking about a poll of which a candidate, whether Romney or Obama, would be best prepared to handle an alien invasion. And then there have been mm -hmm. books, one by a man, who, a couple men who worked for Lockheed Martin, Aerospace, no, no surprise. And then, of course, there have been about a dozen Hollywood blockbuster films, or films they wish were blockbusters, like uh, Battle Los Angeles and others that have come out in the past uh, year or two, and some $2 billion has been spent on this kind of negative imagery. And what we want to do is sort of expose what the agenda is behind that uh, so that we're not fooled again. So that's, that's really what we're going to be focusing on, because uh, while many people uh, look at this subject and they, uh, of course, bring to it their own worldview, there are some really powerful vested interests that instead of uniting the world and the idea that we're not alone in the universe and some concepts uh, that uh, would really move our society forward, such as new energy and technology and universal peace and higher states of consciousness, that what they really want to do is unite the world around a military oligarchy and a military, industrial, financial, laboratory, intelligence complex so that they can keep the world kind of uh, cowered in fear uh, for the next big threat. Now, you know, I, I think it's very important for people to know that uh, Douglas, General Douglas MacArthur himself in his last address to the Congress um, stated that World War III will be interplanetary. 
and that was in, I think, the mid-60s. Uh, I don't know. Dr. Loder may know the date. Um, no, I don't, but I know I've heard, I've heard that same thing. Yeah, well, it's in the congressional record. And yeah. This is not a theory. And this is something which then, of course, uh, Werner von Braun, who, of course, invented the, 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 the Nazis' uh, V-2 rocket, uh, told a disclosure project with Ms. Carol Rosen when she was working as his uh, spokesperson for the last four or five years of his life that the agenda had been to have uh, the military-industrial complex uh, extend and prolong the Cold War that would then be followed by global terrorism and nations of concern. And this was before 9-11, by the way, when we came out with this. And that would go on for a while. But that the big trump card they were holding back and have been for 50 years is to roll out a hoaxed false flag alien invasion. And that's unfortunately what we're on the eve of seeing these megalomaniacal people do. So now, I, I, if I can throw something in there, Steve, for a please. second, because it, uh, yes, uh, Carol, when Carol Rosen was speaking to Vernon Braun, uh, there was a terrorist that you mentioned, but in between there, uh, it was supposed to be followed by asteroids or Planet X or some sort, of, some sort of threat from outer space, sort of a natural threat. And I wanted to point out that there's an awful lot of buzz, if you will, on the Internet going on right now as we speak about the possibility of asteroids hitting the planet, about Planet X, and a whole bunch of stuff. And right. of course, then then Werner Braun Braun said after that would be the alien invasion. So this thing is right on following the playbook. Absolutely. And he, did, and he said to her, Carol, it will all be fake. Yep. Anyway, I just want to add that in there because it's another dot along what's happening today. Go ahead. No, you're right, and I think it's very important to point that out. And and in fact, this has always been one of the justifications for. Uh, the uh, Reagan Star Wars or SDI initiative, but even before that, we have had military and uh, corporate witnesses that are part of the Disclosure Project, and you can go to disclosureproject.org and see the videos and, and get the books and what have you there or get links to them. And what's interesting is that all through that period, uh, even by 1965, we had classified black projects putting platforms up in space that had advanced electromagnetic weapons on them to target extraterrestrial vehicles trying to provoke this kind of drama. And this is a sort of uh, an agent provocateur role that these very classified projects have been engaged in uh, for well over 40 and maybe 50 years or more. In fact, there's good evidence from an FBI memo uh, that was sent to the Guy Hotel who sent to J. Edgar Hoover after the event in Roswell that that event was the result of a quote-unquote euphemism here, um, a high-powered new radar dome or, or radar array that caused these two ET craft to lose their electromagnetic guidance systems and crash into each other, one going down northwest of, of Roswell, New Mexico, and the other one tra traveling on a trajectory and impacting near Socorro. Um, and that's the famous Roswell event that very few people understand. You don't come through interstellar space and just kind of run out of gas and crash. That was the only nuclear bomb squadron in the world. And my understanding from intelligence sources is that we had, in fact, put a scalar or longitudinal-type weapon system in this what looked like a radar array that they switched on and caught these uh, ET vehicles that were seeing what we were doing with our um, top-secret nuclear uh, atomic bombs. It was in 1947. That was the only atomic bomb squadron in the world. It was the 509th Squadron there in Roswell, New Mexico. And as we have from other disclosure witnesses, apparently these interstellar civilizations have been very concerned since the nuclear era of us destroying this planet and perhaps becoming a threat to other worlds eventually, if not currently. And so this, all this sort of... Uh, provocative behavior that's been done in clandestine programs goes back at least to 1947, but really picked up steam in the late 50s and 60s with the development of more technologies that are still classified above top secret black. And uh, now, of course, they're uh, trying to provoke a situation through mass media hysteria and the movies of there being a threat out there. So that instead of there being, and this is what I wrote about back in the 90s, is that 
we need disclosure, but whose disclosure? What we don't need is a disclosure that's based on the same foxes that have been hit guarding the hen house, scaring people through a false flag operation so they aggregate more power, not just from the Western countries, but from the whole world, like in the movie Independence Day, where the world quote-unquote unites around an alien threat, because that would be the ultimate trump card to play. Bernard von War Braun warned about it. Douglas MacArthur flat out said it was going to happen on the floor of the, the, the well of the Congress. Um, there are documents that talk about this. And now we're seeing the mainstream media, uh, while covering nothing about the contacts he said he has had or disclosure project and the truth, trotting out these uh, militarists like Nick Pope, who uh, had been with the Ministry of Defense. In fact, he was at the Ministry of Defense in Great Britain after the C-SETI landing of an ET craft in 1992, which many of you have read about in, in our books. Um, and he, I was asked to come to meet with him in London that next year with Colin Andrews and uh, uh, Dr. C.B. Scott Jones, who had been with Navy Intelligence, uh, and to go over there to brief him when he was still running that division uh, bringing, uh, collecting intelligence in cases of ET events in Great Britain for the Ministry of Defense. Now, it's interesting that now that he's allegedly retired from the military, he's now become one of their point people to spread this kind of terrifying fear and disinformation. Wow, yes. It's interesting along those same lines that you, you talk about things being spun up. Just the other day, like 10 days ago, uh, Lynn Katai was on Fox News right? Uh, talking about they had had her on to discuss some FBI documents that had been suddenly released from 1949 about yes, we've had the reality of about the stuff seen. But, you know, there it, that's Fox News, you know, which is quasi-mainstream or totally mainstream, depending on how you do things. Uh, actually talking about this sort of thing. And along in her discussion, of course, she mentioned the um, major event uh, that occurred over Phoenix a little over 10 years ago, uh, 12, gosh, 13, 14 years ago. That's right. And uh, and, and sort of, and, and we still don't know what it was. So, uh, you know, somebody like uh, like her is sort of being put on the spot and kind of being used, and maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but kind of being used by the mainstream media to put out information and then kind of twisted like, oh, we don't know what it was. So, again, uh, the fear-based thing uh, used, used uh, by the main media and using people who don't even know they're being used. Correct. And the thing is, is that this often happens in the UFO subculture is that people get put into these situations, the expectation to maintain credibility, say, well, we don't really know what it is when everyone knows what these are. Exactly. And if you say what they, that's what they are, they won't let you get on their program. That's the way the game works. And uh, so, but, and then, so there's this sort of agnosticism that gets played. Well, we really don't know when in fact we do know. And then, however, even though we don't know what they are, by the way, the aliens are coming to eat us for lunch and everybody should run and hide and look to Big Brother to extend uh, 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 some protection to them and in the meanwhile give up all our freedoms and liberties and our progress as a civilization to the military, industrial, financial empire that is running the planet into the Frickin' ground, excuse my French. So I think that this is why people have to understand how virulent the disinformation is. And and one of the things I wrote on my blog recently was a sort of a brief sort of analysis of how foolish this whole concept is. Because if you take a step back and you say, okay, there are civilizations who are around Earth near Earth, within the Earth, under the oceans, wherever, in our solar system, some of their craft in our solar system from my military sources uh, who have been at NORAD are over 26 miles in diameter, a single spacecraft. Um, and they have the ability to go faster than the speed of light through dimensions 
dematerialize at one point in a, one galaxy or another star system and appear here, and yet somehow people think this is going to be like a Star Wars movie using lasers and bombs <laughs> and stuff. Uh, you know, and the point I always make to people, you know, back in 1993, uh, I was uh, asked to – do a briefing for the uh, Foreign Aerospace Science and Technology Center, which was uh, had is what it was called. It had been the Foreign Technology Division of the U.S. Air Force at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And uh, Commander Miller and I went there uh, with another person to provide a briefing to Colonel Canola and an intelligence officer, Bruce Ashcroft, who um, to talk about this. And this meeting was set up under orders from the head of intelligence for the Joint Chiefs of Staff for the Pentagon, who had to override the base commander and order the head of the Air Force intelligence to make the meeting happen, and that is all true. Now, when we got there, one of the things that, of course, the usual canard that's brought up is that, of course, they wouldn't acknowledge or deny that they had all these materials from the Roswell crash or anything else, but they, the, the, the colonel said, well, what if these uh, civilizations, if they're out there, of course, they always have to qualify it in the hypothetical because, you know, they're, they're trained to, to professionally lie. I always say, how do you know they're lying? Their lips are moving. It's like a politician. So, but, but, but what happened is that I looked at them. I looked at this colonel. I said, with, sir, with all due respect, you're dealing with interstellar capable civilizations. If they were hostile. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Given the stupidity of how we responded, targeting them, using advanced scalar electromagnetic weapons against them, I said, you and I would not be breathing the free air air of Earth today if they were hostile. I said the fact that we are still alive on this planet and that they are patiently waiting for us to grow up and become peaceful is in itself proof of not only their non-hostility, but their enormous, almost saintly patience given how we reacted to them. And so when you – I said, so let's just back off a little bit here. And, of course, the other thing that's come out recently is that, oh, well, you know, they have to – and this is, of course, one of the canards in in, in the UFO subculture. They're here to get our biological material or our genetic material or our precious metals or something. There's always some paranoid fantasy. When any civilization that can go interdimensionally can materialize any gold, mineral, or substance they want to, and from the basic elements of the atomic chart can manufacture artificial life because we're already doing that in our own labs. We've already created the first artificial bacterium from elemental particles, uh, atoms and molecules. In U.S., in, in Earth labs that are acknowledged in the mainstream scientific media. So what, what you find within the UFO research community as well as the mainstream media is an ignorance about science. And it, it, it just beggars the imagination, Ted. I mean, it just really beggars yeah, the imagination. Yeah. Along the uh, uh, along the uh, similar lines, again, the disclosure uh, stuff. Uh, a, a woman who's been involved, a doctor, a PhD, involved for years with the SETI program, Jill Tarter. Right. Uh, it was the head of SETI. She's now stepped down to uh, I, I understand the. Deal with uh, raising money for the project. Right. Uh, now, this is an interesting story because today, as we're speaking this morning, uh, NPR, National Public Radio, we had a little little piece on Jill Tarter. Right. About this woman was had studied and got a PhD, was an interest, you know, the usual sort of personal view on things, etc. Now, it, it's interesting uh, because. 
uh, I interacted with her a number of years ago and asked her uh, if they might want to be looking here on planet Earth uh, because of all the evidence uh, that we have of, of being having been visited and being visited. And uh, she stated she stated to the several hundred people or whatever it was at this conference uh, presentation that there's absolutely no evidence uh, we're being visited or, or of UFOs visiting the planet. Next question. Now, what this <laughs> does is it kind of baits the question. This woman, who PhD, studying uh, extraterrestrial, uh, the, the process, if you will, of trying to communicate with ETs, and here she says there's absolutely no evidence. So either she knows about the evidence and is lying to the audience in order to further her own agenda of raising money to put in radio transmitters, A, or B, she doesn't know about any of the evidence, and, and why on earth is she the head of the program uh, designed to look for evidence, if you will. So it's a, it's a can't-win sort of situation, and one has to be wary of that people in positions like that who are making those sort of statements which the public have kind of lapped up uh, I'm afraid. Well, and the really mainstream media have these people trotted out to them as the yep. authority figures, but they're at all caught carrying water for these classified <laughs> projects. You know, yep. uh, back when the, we did the disclosure project, um, and by the way, SETI me means the search for extraterrestrial intelligence that uh, Carl Sagan and others were involved in founding and Frank Drake. CSETI, our organization, is the center for the study of extraterrestrial intelligence. We're studying them because they don't need to be searched for. They've already been found. So CSTI.org is our organization. The search for extraterrestrial intelligence, just to give you a little story, some years ago, back in the 90s, um, there's a, um, a, a Ph.D. researcher at NASA Ames, which is in California, um, who named Dr. Richard Haynes, and Dr. Haynes actually, uh, after I had introduced the concepts of close encounters of the fifth kind, which is when humans make uh, uh, initiate contact with these civilizations, which all of you who listen to this show are familiar with, and, and if you're new to the show, you can go to CSETI.org and see what we do. But Dr. Haynes did a book on this, but while we were working on that, he told me a story that was quite interesting, that in the early days of SETI, not CSETI, but Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence with Jill Tarter and these folks, that it was based for a time there at NASA Ames. And he uh, was in the same area or building. So one day he ran into one of the people, one of the very senior people with SETI, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, and said, um, and he said, you know, what would I tell you? This is what Dr. Haynes said to this SETI guy. What would you, would you say if I told you that you guys already know we're being visited and that they've landed on terra firma, but that by creating this scientific search, it implies scientifically that there's no evidence, and therefore they're not really here, and that your entire project is a giant smokescreen to obfuscate and, and deceive the public. And the man looked at Dr. Haynes and winked at him and said, well, Dick, I'd say that you're a very smart man. Beautiful. That is a true. Twenty years story. later, we're still at the same place. Yeah, and the twenty years later, we're still in the same place. So, yeah. you know, this kind of fraud and deception, though, is very worrisome. And when I debated yeah. uh, Seth Shostak, who who is the head of SETI, uh, on the Voice of America after the Disclosure Project news conference at the National Press Club, you know, he made the same statement that Dr. Jill Tarter said to you. And that is, well, there's no evidence and da-da-da. So we had there with me in the studio John Callahan, who was the head of active yeah, huh? investigations at the FAA, yeah, the Federal Administ uh, Aviation Administration. And he was there when in the early 80s there was this uh, Japan Airlines jet of cargo 747 over Alaska that came across one of these massive ET craft that was the size of a battleship and that was moving nonlinearly, disappearing and reappearing all around it. It was on radar, and he was the third highest-ranking person at the AFAA and was called in the briefings with the CIA and Reagan's FBI folks and someone from Reagan's uh, science office. And he's one of our disclosure witnesses, and it's there for the whole world to see. So this is one case of, like, 3,500 pilot cases we have. There are 4,000 
landing trace evidence cases. And so I said a few things like that to Seth Shostak, and I said, you have a man sitting here who is one of the highest officials in our FAA who has this evidence and has now given us the radar tapes and the digital printouts of the event and the pilot's report and the reports from the military pilots that were scrambled, and you're saying there's no evidence? What do you mean? So, you know, he couldn't say anything. So what you find with these people, and so this is what's worrisome. There's this combination on the one hand, oh, it doesn't exist. On the other hand, oh, but if it is out there, they're going to come and eat us for lunch. Neither of the arguments holds any water. And what they're doing is that they're on the one hand, they're trying to delay the information until they've done enough psychological and subliminal preparation to brainwash the public that if they do announce they're here, that people react not out of universal peace and a wonderful moment of the earth realizing we're not alone in the cosmos, but in cowering fear. And in that fear, just like the Patriot Act, we'll just give up all our liberties and freedoms to this fascistic um, cabal of, of kleptocratic, misanthropic people who have hijacked our civilization for 50 years. So I think this is, uh, excuse me for being so blunt, but I'm not known to mix words, but that's really, folks, what's going on. So when you see this stuff being trotted out, just let everyone you know this is all a hoax. There is no threat from outer space. And let's add a little to that. Back in 1997, Dr. Loader, you were there. We did briefings mm-hmm. for Congress. Yep. And you represented, well, tell people, you were represented. Well, I represented the governor of the state of New Hampshire. I was appointed by the governor, who's now a senator, Gene Shaheen, uh, to uh, represent her at this uh, briefing in Washington, D.C. It was right. uh, a tremendous experience for me, eye-opening. And uh, just as an aside, I wrote a, I don't know, six or seven page or more report with all the accompanying documents, and they all went to the governor's office, and uh, that's the last we heard of that. Well, what's important is that you were there, and you were there uh, as as deputized by the uh, governor of New Hampshire to be there. And, of course, there were members of Congress there, uh, Representative Dan Burton, the chairman of the very powerful government oversight committee that subpoenaed Clinton a thousand times about his sexual trysts and other nonsense. Basically, one of the things that that people don't realize about that meeting is that we had a pre-event gathering of the witnesses, of the military and intelligence witnesses, that the following night were going to stand up in front of these members of Congress, people from the White House, people from Al Gore's office, people from the Pentagon. And this was before, remember now, this is about four years before the National Press Club event, uh, and we were trying to get the, uh, the legal government of the United States to move off the dime and do something constructive, which, of course, they're not going to do. Now, when we did this and we were meeting with these people, one of the men who was there uh, – and by the way, this person is on film because we just found out that a member of our team had filmed it, Tony Craddock. And I didn't know this film existed anymore, but it does. News flashed everyone's heads up. Great, great. And and yes, yeah, something for you to run down to uh, Ted. Just make a note. We need to get that walk through their door. But the point is, look, this man met with me and our senior team, and said, look, I was on a committee, an interagency committee, back in 1974 or something like that, and we were making plans then and had an operational plan ready to go where we could push a button and the world, the skies around the world would be filled with man-made anti-gravity devices that look like alien craft, and it will fool everyone. And the purpose of that was to launch a false flag, a deceptive operation, so that the world would be united against an alien threat when there is none. Now, what's interesting, he had such specific actionable intelligence, is what it's called at the CIA, on this, that that night men came to his door and woke him up 
and said, please do not say this to these members of Congress. Let us see if we can get some of this fixed first. And they took him out to an undisclosed location out in Virginia and did not return him until after the briefings for these congressmen and other people was over. Now, I have witnesses to this. Now, I know the name of this man. We've never been able to get him to come forward at the Disclosure Project, but I can tell you that, you know, Edgar Mitchell was at this event. Members of Congress were at this event. Uh, Dr. Loader was at that event. Tony Craddock was at And it was filmed, and, and he was at this pre prior meeting, although when everyone was sitting in a circle, he didn't talk about specifically this, just vaguely what he would be talking about. So that was 1974. And he said it, that plan was fully operational well before the time he was on that committee. So 74, that's pushing, you know, 40 years ago, right? So what I'm telling people is that if you can imagine the, what the capabilities were 40 years ago, extrapolate that to 2012. And then imagine for just a moment what these folks who are in classified projects who have taken 2 or $3 trillion dollars as, as, as Secretary of Defense Rumsfeld admitted, that's missing out of the Department of Defense budget and put it into these super-classified technologies. That's how easy it is to deceive people because most of the public, they don't know about what the real ET objects look like compared to what the super-sophisticated Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman uh, anti-gravity <laughs> objects look like. And so what you're dealing with here is the capacity for them to not just hoax informationally, but operationally hoax this kind of event. And virtually everyone on earth would be deceived. And when I found this out, I did a briefing and put together a briefing explaining all this to the head of intelligence for the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Right. Remember? Yes, I do. Okay. Yep. So it's in, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to uh, I was going to uh, continue this discussion. Uh, we've been talking about a fake event and how uh, it might be done, et cetera. But I wanted to extrapolate a little a bit more for people to kind of think about this. And uh, this came out of some of my discussions with several people, including uh, Rich Dolan. Uh, yes. So I give him a little credit for some of these uh, some of this discussion. But. Uh, one one might come up with several different scenarios, and I'm going to go through each little scenario because they have slight subtle variations with similar outcomes. Let's uh, scenario one: a giant show of ARVs, alien reproduction vehicles, or They're man-made, man-made, uh, appear all over a number of the major cities, capitals, whatever else around the world. Now. Uh, one response from the governments of the world were saying, you know, these actually are ours. These are all man-made, uh, but because of national security, we haven't told people about these, et cetera. But now you see them, and then, of course, at that point, refused, any more, refused to answer any more questions uh, because of, quote, national security issues. Hmm. Now, there's, there's a, depending on what country does this, there's the country that does do this, if it's done by a specific country, kind of has a leg up of the other country. They have let this thing out of the bag, right? Uh, if you will. So the other countries either play along with them, or they, um, or they keep quiet or, or somehow because they can't really argue it because they've already known about it as well. They've been. Uh, complicit in terms of this this knowledge for years. Right, right. Now, the second thing, that's sort of the, they're, oh, these are all man-made, and uh, A, and B, we refuse to answer any more questions about it because of national security. Now, the second sort of uh, result of that might be, again, a big show of ARVs, uh, perhaps coupled with Project Bluebeam or some other uh, fake way of showing things. And now, in this one, this is a case, the governments of the world or the people that talk about these things might say these are all alien they aren't we don't make these at all these are all alien craft evil be scared look at the big show independence day and all this sort of attitude a different a twist to this knowledge of seeing a bunch of craft right now the third thing uh is that the government might so a 
number one, they're all ours, and we can't tell you anything more. B, they are all aliens. They must be evil because they're flying in our skies, etc. The third one is that, oh, my gosh, we don't know what these are either. We're very puzzled. We're going to form a commission and uh, <laughs> to study this thing and get back to you. We'll deliver a report to you sometime with a commission made up of highfalutin names and the faces that people know, uh, and we'll talk about it. This buys a lot of time for the controllers of this whole issue. Uh, let's say it's the ETs who show up. Uh, it buys time for everybody. So the, the amount of spin, information shaping, as it's known as, right. that would go on to this would be prodigious. Now, uh, one expect our president or everybody else's president uh, to say such things, or their spokespersons say such things, if the Earth is really under threat, we have the capability to respond. Our military has a plan right. and significant capabilities. Don't worry. Go back to sleep uh, or that sort of approach. So uh, don't worry. Nothing to see here. And meanwhile, uh, the other thing that the, the world leaders might say, or our president might say, well, we, the world leaders and the United Nations, are in constant communications. We have plans of action. We're coordinated to provide security for world citizens. So there's a number of scenarios. So I'm, I'm, I'm going through some of these. So when, when something like this ultimately happens, please, as an observer, Keep your eyes open and your brain open to try to analyze, now, what is really going on? What am I really being told here? And what are the reasons that I may be told this? It's not what it appears on the surface. That's all. Exactly. And, and this is something that you have to have a great deal of expertise to know the difference. Is it, you know, as I always say, is it real or is it Memorex? And one of mm -hmm. the things we do when we take people out on these C-SETI expeditions, and, of course, uh, when Dr. Loder uh, came out to one uh, some years ago out in Joshua Tree, and we were had just set up, and here this uh, trans-dimensional ET craft just materializes in the sky underneath a very large two-thirds full moon and floats underneath the moon and then disappears. And, of course, he's just going, oh, my God. I said, well, yes, this is what we do. It was awesome. You know, it was awesome. And that's very different from the, how when you see these ARVs up close and they look like, I mean, you know, you got rivets, you got seams, you know, it looks like a piece of machinery, and it is, and it's, a, it's something man-made. And then there's some things that you really don't have enough information on to know, is it, is it ours, is it theirs? But most people who, who even talk about the quote-unquote UFO subject, and I've always said UFO, that term was only invented after they knew that they were not unidentified and they did not fly in any normal aerodynamic sense of the word fly, and they weren't UFOs at all. They're either ET craft or ETVs, extraterrestrial vehicles, as they're called at the National Security Agency, or they're ARVs and anti-grav devices that began to be experimented with back in the 40s, in point of fact, even by mm -hmm. the uh, Germans back during World War II. So, uh, and all the way back to the 20s, we have T. Townsend Brown and others that were doing uh, various uh, high-voltage experiments resulting in this kind of anti-grav or lifter or mass cancellation phenomenon. Anti-gravity is actually a misnomer. But the reality is, in certain conditions, you can create an electromagnetic field around something where it essentially causes a cancellation of the gravitational field because of uh, various interactions, which are more complex than we need to go into on the World Puja Network, but uh, that are, are really quite understood in many circles. That, that of scientists that, that Dr. Loder and I have met with. Um, however, this becomes a big problem for the public because if the UFO subculture and the History Channel and others only talk about all UFOs as being ET, and the thing that they do not want exposed is that, in fact, there are ET craft, but there are all these other things out there that could masquerade as one because if people know that, then you know, then then it gives lie to this this hoax because people can say, well, this could actually be something that the, the classified projects are doing to try to seize global control and power and what have you. And it's not a conspiracy theory. One of the interesting people I talked to in the last couple of years is a Colonel Holman who had worked uh, on this uh, SDI Star Wars issue in the late Carter and early Reagan years. 
And he flat out told me that one of the things they, they used to sell the program to the president, and particularly to Ronald Reagan, <clears throat> was this concept that of a threat from outer space that we need to be able to defend against. And, of course, people who have a paranoiac, uh, fear-based, uh, security, uh, sort of security-averse, risk-averse view of the world, and, and instead of being filled with love, they're filled with hate and fear all the time, you can hit those hot buttons. And sure enough, they did, and they were able to manipulate people into, of course, now spending you know hundreds of billions, if not trillions, on these bogus uh, programs. But that, and that he said that was absolutely one of the things that was one of the cards they played as an argument for developing these weapons in space and, and SDI, Star Wars type technologies. So of course that was also very lucrative because the people, even the study contracts for this, were in the billions and billions of dollars. Um, so it's a very lucrative business, this kind of deception, and um, it can become more so. Because I tell people, look, you know, the United States is spending, you know, with Homeland Security, all the intelligence bureaus, uh, a lot of what the FBI does, the whole Department of Defense budget, blah blah blah, pushing upwards of a trillion dollars a year. And then we have our armaments industry selling to the world as the number one purveyor of arms. That's another huge amount on top of that, of what the U.S. government spending is. But if you really want to grow an industry, you've got to have an enemy, and it means more than just chasing down 75 al-Qaeda members in the Afghanistan mountains. So in order to do that, you've got to concoct another enemy. And the enemy they want to concoct where they can then justify these kind of obscene expenditures while half the world is starving and doesn't even have any plumbing, is this uh, threat from outer space. And it not only is to support the defense industries and the war profiteers, it is also there in order to control the masses in their thought thinking, their consciousness, their mind. Because, you know, fear is the mind killer. Look how people took leave of their senses after 9-11. Regardless of whether you think and how that happened or not, if people just went bananas, and then we go rushing into Iraq, which had nothing to do with 9-11, it's been proven, and we spent a trillion dollars on that war. And it's still a mess. And it's still a mess. I mean, we, and, so we're, and we're still, still spending, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars a year on nonsense. Um, so... The reality is that, uh, not that there aren't any security and defense needs that are legitimate, there are, but I'm just saying so much of this ends up being manipulated, just like in the Gulf of Tonkin in Vietnam. And everyone who's studied history knows that that was an event that happened that was designed uh, to uh, stage an attack on our assets in the Gulf of Tonkin so that the politicians would be forced to greatly expand the Vietnam War and this was, has been proven historically to be a complete deception and manipulation. So what I, when I talk about these false flags, it's like a cosmic Gulf of Tonkin that's been planned for over 50 years. And what you're seeing now through things like from Nick Pope and that you're seeing through uh, these things on Fox News and that you're seeing in the mainstream media and some of the books coming out, and never mind the plethora of rubbish coming out of Hollywood – and the video games that are all, you know, horrible aliens that we have to chop their heads off and blah, 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 is, is this plan. And people have to understand how deeply embedded it is in the human psyche to be prejudiced and afraid of otherness. This is the root of tribalism, racism, and most of the wars in human history. And what they really want to do is, is then do caricatures of the ETs as these sort of horrible creatures that are always portrayed in a way that's very frightening so that people will will hate them and fear them enough to give power to a bigger statism, a military statism. And this is precisely what Adolf Hitler did and, and his, his propaganda machine, Goebbels and others, when they were uh, trotting out the, all the, the falsehoods about uh, Jewish people and gay people and every other kind of person, gypsies, whoever they could round up and stuff into a concentration camp, they, 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 they used these 
sort of images and this kind of propaganda. And really what's going on with these the folks doing this, some of them under the guise of New Age community people with the good and the bad aliens, some of it within the UFO subculture, some are doing it wittingly, and some of them, I know for a fact, are on the payroll of somebody. And, and what you find as you begin to deconstruct this is that it's like the old man in The Wizard of Oz pulling all the right. handles, scaring the bejeebies out of Dorothy and her friends. And you pull the curtain back, and you just see this decrepit uh, dinosaur of a military uh, mindset and a world domination mindset with a few hundred kleptocrats who are hell-bent on maintaining control of the planet and don't want to go into the good future that's awaiting us. Because one future is what we're talking about now. But shifting a little bit, let's see what the actual future that we can manifest is. Bringing out new energy systems where the world is free of poverty within a generation. Getting rid of all pollution. Disclosing this information and making open, peaceful contact so that in the next dozens to hundreds of years, we become an interstellar, peaceful civilization, and where not just the sky is the limit, but the infinity of space and time and other dimensions is open to us. So that's one choice. The other choice is this sort of apocalyptic nonsense that is being designed by people who um, have a lot to benefit from people being afraid. So as they said in the old song from the 70s, whatever, the Who song, don't be fooled again, or we won't be fooled again. I hope we won't be fooled again. My concern, because I've seen this happen, we've had Disclosure Project materials and witnesses hijacked by people who then repackaged them into things saying, see, they invaded our nuclear weapons facilities. And the guys that I actually were there said that they felt that the message coming from the ETs when these ET craft were there was that they were very concerned we would destroy ourselves, and they thought the Earth was worth saving and humanity was worth saving, and that they were basically saying, look, don't go to mutual assured destruction and destroy this planet, but if you try to, we can intercept these weapons and stop you from destroying the whole planet because their intentions are completely enlightened and benign. So... But what, you've, what I've found in the last decade is that there have been people who've hijacked the very top-secret military witnesses and documents, repackaged them, and spun them in the same way that Nick Pope has spun this tale in, in this newspaper recently in, in the United Kingdom. And so I think that we have to be very clear that we need to find our voices and speak the truth about this, expose these deceptions and lies for what they are. And beyond that, give another vision. Here's another vision, peaceful, open contact. And C said he's been doing this for 22 years. Um, we're going to be at Mount Shasta next month. Unfortunately, that expedition is, is, is kind of oversubscribed or fully booked at this point. But we'll also be in the desert of uh, California in November. And we're going to go out, and people who want to come are welcome to come with us. We're going to take people out teach them how to remote view with consciousness, teach them the Vedic cities, S-I-D-D-H-I-S, teach the techniques of contact and make contact, and we do, and we will. And, and what you're going to see in this process is that every single person, by virtue of being awake, being conscious, if they have this clear and pure intent, can make contact, and these civilizations are so eager to have humans do this instead of doing all this other fear-mongering. They're looking for <laughs> a few good humans, <laughs> to use a phrase, to, to take another approach to this because no problem has ever been solved in the consciousness that created it. We're not going to be able to go into this whole new era dragging in the sort of fear and divisiveness and us-versus-them mentality that has brought the world to the brink of extinction today. And so these ETs are looking for people who will be ambassadors to the universe. And the foundation, as all World Puja listeners know, for that state of being a universal ambassador is the state of pure consciousness that's within every single one of us. 
and within every other sentient life form in the cosmos, where in silent meditation you can experience the universal state of consciousness, the unbounded state of being, and in that state travel through dimensions, make contact, remote view, and be an ambassador at that deep level of enlightened knowledge and intent. And when we do that as a group, if one or two people does it, it has a certain effect. But when dozens of people do it, and now through our uh, CE5 Global Initiative, which you can find out about at CSETI.org and sign up for, uh, we also have an iPhone app, and soon we're going to have an Android app where the entire protocols, the meditations, the tones that we send out into space that were recorded in the crop circles, uh, the ability to have your iPhone turn into a magnetometer that picks up the magnetic field changes when the ET crafts are approaching through interdimensional space-time, that's all available. And, you know, it's like six or seven bucks or something. So that's, there's an iPhone app for that. Soon we're going to have an Android. There's a training kit if you can't come on one of these expeditions at disclosureproject.org. And there are all the tapes and meditations. The main thing to understand is that now there are thousands of people around the world doing this. And as more and more people do that, it turns the consciousness away from this paranoia negativity towards another view. It's the whole concept of Rupert Sheldrake's morphogenic fields where when a critical mass, a certain number of people begin to do something, it begins to non-locally propagate, mirror neurons, as it were, and uh, in the collective mind of humanity. And this is what needs to happen. And so the more we can do that, the better. We can expose the deception, but what's really important is not just exposing the deception, which has been part of the focus of this program today, but also to say what can we do that's positive, that's creative, that's transformative. And the good news is that, you know, you don't have to be Ingo Swan or me or anyone else for that matter. Every single human being is awake, can become aware of awareness, can learn these protocols and become an ambassador to the cosmos. And there is absolutely no barrier to that except your own imagination and your willingness to discipline and spend some time doing it. And if you do this with two, three, four, five people, I mean, we have a group that's uh, just formed in the last couple of years up in New York that has been having the most unbelievable contact. You know, um, you know, uh, you know, Dr. Marilyn and and uh, Diane and these, and it's just, I mean, people from all walks of life, um, and they get together uh, pretty much on a monthly basis, and they have the most amazing things out at their uh, farm out at, up in upstate New York, and anyone can do this. And I tell people that once you realize that you can do it, but when you do it, you're plugging into this universal grid that changes the course of history. We manifest the good future by doing this. Absolutely. Uh, I gotta. I have to add a little comment in here. Yes. And I'm going to step back one notch, uh, back to this uh, potential of a false flag thing. We've talked about this. We've tried to give you some guidelines for what may be happening. This is a may. It hasn't happened yet, but it's certain plans are. We've talked about that. But we. What would I? What I would hope that you would do as a listener to the World Fusion Network and the follower of what we're talking about here, is that if and when something does happen, there is a major uh, event, false flag event, that you're wise enough, having heard our discussion, to understand what's going on and that you are an ambassador, if you will, to other people around you who don't understand what's going on, right. to tell them, explain, be a teacher, and, and uh, give uh, other people who are sitting there perhaps scared or just believing the uh, the media to explain what's really going on. And that's so important because there's only a few of us, but if there's thousands of people listening to World Fusion Network, thousands, okay. and if that thousand can go out and hit more thousands, it can expand the knowledge so the people will not be fooled. Yeah, and so put a link on your Facebook and, and Twitter accounts to this uh, radio show, for example, and let people yeah. Uh, hear it and, and realize that if, if people just have a doubt in their mind that what they're being shown and what's happening, and I, this is one of the reasons why someone said, why did you go to the Pentagon to discuss this sort of thing? I said, the element of surprise and deception is really 
all they have. They don't have the truth on their side. They don't have the future on their side. They don't have the intent of the divine being and the future, the good future that awaits humanity and planet Earth as we go into a period when there will be an enlightened civilization that's universally at peace and interstellar. They don't have any of that on their side. The only thing they have on their side is the apathy of the masses and the ignorance of the, of the masses that they're counting on to be sheeple, to follow into this way of deception and fear. And so the only barrier between that is knowledge. And as I said, there's sort of an old Vedic saying, if, you, if you're wanting to get rid of the darkness, you can stir around the darkness forever. It will never go away. But as soon as you strike the first match, all the darkness is gone. So it's about putting the light of knowledge you know, onto this subject. And so every you're right, Ted. Every person can understand this and describe it and then take it one more step and say, in fact, why don't we go and become emissaries of peace, mm-hmm. of universal peace as ambassadors to these civilizations? And, you know, I just got a report from a group we have up in Quebec. Uh, you know, Annie and all those folks, Ted, sure, that yep. met with up there in Montreal. They're wonderful people, and they were up at Lake Edward and had the most amazing contact experiences. And this were a group of people that a few years ago I, I trained and taken out to Bromont, this little village outside of Montreal in the mountains there. And um, we had, I don't know, 50 people there or something, 60, I can't remember. And we just did it for a night or two, but it was just such an amazing series of contact experiences that happened. People saw it, learned it, now they're doing it. And, you see, if we have you know, thousands and then millions of people eventually doing this, uh, it will really change what happens. Because what the, 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 the people that have this kind of power are relying on people being coward and people being left in ignorance and also people being uh, kind of forced in, into submission to them. But we have the power to say no to that. And that's how every... Uh, I hate to use the word revolution, but it, that's how every big change in society uh, has always happened is people basically standing up saying, no, we're not going to be bought into. Uh, we're not buying mm-hmm. into that, and we're not going to be led down this path of nonsense any further, and we won't be fooled again. Yep. So there's a much better correct. future. That's a much better future that awaits us. And um, so that's what we have to work on. And, uh, of course, this is what everyone at DisclosureProject.org and, and CSETI.org are working on, as well as pursuing the, the uh, development of these new energy technologies, which, of course, is the hardest nut to crack, because we can make contact day and night, and we can do a lot of with disclosure. And we have dozens and dozens and dozens of top-secret people and documents and everything that's at DisclosureProject.org and in the books and videos to see for anyone who wants to look at them. Bringing out a technology that gets rid of the five or $600 trillion oil, gas, coal, public utility, nuclear power, fossil fuel, commodities, derivatives, financial trading, Goldman Sachs, a cabal <laughs> is... That's all one one word, by the way. Um, That that really is, that that truly is a Promethean task. And I have to say, I want to thank uh, Dr. Loader publicly because he has been heading up uh, and really helping with this search uh, around the world. And, of course, there are so many things out there that claim to be these things that aren't that we have to go through. The ones we found that are tend to get confiscated and disappear very quickly as we've described. I mean, a couple years ago, we had a man who's worked in classified projects for 40 years who uh, was developing one of these for us and then had a former CIA director and a bunch of other people go down to his command and threaten him and his family and made him back off from doing this uh, development grant from the the orionproject.org. So, you know, we've been through, well, frankly, a lot, a lot, a lot of torment trying to get this, but the fact is it's worth doing, and we have to just keep pushing on that um, and, and moving in that direction. And a lot of people, recently someone wrote to my blog and said, well, given the financial implications of bringing this technology out, um, <laughs> I haven't had a chance to answer or came in yesterday, don't you think that maybe it's, you have to think through whether this should happen or not? I said this should have happened in 1908. Yep. These technologies have been around for over 100 years. Go study the history of it, and Dr. Loader has become an expert on this. But one of the things people have to understand is that 
this has been around a very long time. How long are we going to murder Gaia, our Mother Earth? How long are we going to see that the majority of the world is impoverished? How long are we going to degrade the environment and, and make extinct a lot of our biosphere and pollute our oceans and our water and our air when it's completely unnecessary? I said, enough already. So what if some people lose their investments in oil fields and coal fields? There will be another – it's like saying we shouldn't have brought out an automobile because the horse and buggy industry would have gone out of business. And it's not to be cavalier about the financial implications of this, but what are the implications of not doing it? The destruction of the biosphere of the earth? I mean, come on. So, I mean, you know, this is not even a close call. It needs to be done. And by the way, if, if, if one of these devices came out tomorrow and was announced on the front page of the New York Times, it would take 15 years to get them into every car and truck in the world and for every home and business. You know, this is a major transformation of our entire operating system of energy and propulsion and travel for our entire civilization. That is not going to happen in a day or two. And I've been saying since the early 90s, we're running out of time to do it. For 20 years, I've been saying, look, you can only stretch the rubber band of time so far off of what the direction it should go before it snaps back. The snapback won't be pretty because Gaia is a self-correcting, intelligent organism. She's not going to let us destroy the earth just because we want to behave like buffoons and or cowards. So we have got to step forward and do the right thing for our children's 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 children, for Gaia and the earth, and for uh, the fact that it's the right thing to do. And whether or not there's going to be a, a financial transformation as a result, the answer is absolutely yes, but it needs to happen anyway. Because the current system is one where you have two to three hundred families and corporations, and this is a true statistical fact, that it has over half the net worth of the entire world of seven billion people. So this is not a just and equitable situation on this planet, and it's only getting which worse. Is partly, yep, which is partly why we're seeing the whole system at present crumbling before our very eyes. Exactly. Exactly. That's why it is crumbling. Because and the and the only way to fix it is to do it. <laughs> and that's what we're all about. So well uh Ted, thank you for being on this show. You're welcome. We're out of time and Pleasure. and uh I'd like to thank the folks at the World Fusion Network for allowing us this time every couple weeks and uh we're gonna have lots of great things being planned and what I'd like to say is uh, everyone who wants to find out how they can help us, go to DisclosureProject.org or CSETI.org, that's CSETI.org. And to find out more about the new energy subject, uh, you can go to the OrionProject.org. So, again, keep looking up and keep working for a new world because we're ready for it. Thank you, Dr. Loader. You're welcome, and uh, goodbye for now. All right. Bye-bye.